Leroy, aka uh, the New Fifty Two, uh, with my co-host. This is Eli, second cousin to Forge. <laughs> he finally know who Forge is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so yeah, so we are back with another episode, and we are back with a a new format. Uh, I don't know if you listened to our last episode. We kind of left on a cliffhanger. You know, uh, you know, Doctor No had tied us up and was gonna, you know put sledgehammers to our crotch and shit like that and how are we going to get out of the situation? Well, we yep. think we figured it out. We don't know. Yep. If not, we're going to have a sledgehammer to our crotches. We'll, we'll figure it out at the end of this episode. But last and for those that are just checking in, the comics industry is completely fucked right now. There are no new books right now. So we have to find a new way and there's no new books, no new movies either. Yeah. Basically, this is our Infinity War. Yeah, this, this is, is our crisis. Well, our, our, our in-game or... Crisis. Our crisis, you know, a post-crisis. I put it like that. This is our post-crisis. We had our crisis last episode. Yeah, the snap happened. Fucking the anti-monitor fucking swallowed up all the fucking Earths. Right. <laughs> and now we just scratched around to see what's going on. You know, we're, we're sitting around with Captain America in therapy, you know, in the empty med stadium and shit. So uh, anyway, we're getting off subject. Basically what happened is all the comments are gone. So we decided to switch up our format. So what we're going to do, this format is completely focus on something actually i've always wanted to do since we started this podcast but just never had a chance to do it because the comic industry normally is always moving so we decided to go back and decide to do a retro issue and we'll get to in a second what re retro issue we're going to do if you see the banner you know what we're talking about until then let's just catch up on what everybody's is going through like i said we're all going through a tough time right now this coronavirus is really you know putting us all through the pinch some people are feeling worse than others. Uh, unemployment is going up through the roof. Uh, the case is going up. Death rates are going up. U.S. is in shambles right now. But we're here to make you have a good time. We, we understand there's a lot of bullshit going on right now. We want to make sure you're entertained listening to us. Uh, but I do want to say this, Eli, that I just like last week when I, had, I felt the pinch with uh, Chick-fil-A. I'm not Chick-fil-A. Raising Canes. <laughs> I felt it again today with the NBA. <laughs> Did they try to give you more coleslaw? They always try to give me coleslaw. <laughs> Why the fuck do you give people coleslaw? Nobody ever wants coleslaw. Nobody eats it. Just give you extra toast, no coleslaw. Just just put that on the menu. Just be done with it. That's what I'm talking about. NBA. Now, like I said, the NBA has been canceled. It's a Sunday. I'm chilling. And normally when I'm chilling, I'll just have an NBA game playing in the background while I'm like reading comics or playing video games, whatever like that. It's just playing in the background. Can't do that today. So... I go on the NBA page like I normally go, and get, and lo and behold, what do I see on there? They're actually playing NBA 2K on the NBA page. And the games yeah. they're playing are a simulation of the games that would have been played today. <laughs> so I'm watching, like, what the fuck is happening? But then I, after, like, the first, you know, 
five minutes of watching it in the first quarter, I got kind of got into it, you know. That's a foul. <laughs> Ref call that, you know. So I'm getting lit on to it and like that. And then on top of that, uh, that's when the player thing started where uh, – like the NBA players are having like an NBA 2K tournament, stuff like that. So since you can't have real sports, you're just going to simulate sports. NBA is so desperate to figure this thing out. They're going to probably bring a game of horse and play it on ESPN. <laughs> now, for those who don't know what horse is, when the one guy shoots the basketball with an H, the other guy shoots in the same spot, plus O, they should you play in the playground. They're going to do that in real NBA, maybe. So crazy shit. Um, Did you watch WrestleMania? Not since the 90s. Oh, no, I guess it had. I didn't watch it either, but I guess they had it. They had it. I think they did it in an empty stadium. Yeah. Did the I wrestlers? Wa- I even- watched. Yeah. I watched. Uh, was it AEW a couple weeks ago in an empty stadium, and it was. Uh, it was interesting. It was like. It was like performance art. Well, it is performance <laughs> art, but it really is, not yeah, having but- not having a crowd there makes it like one of those experimental like theater or something. <laughs> Did, did they even touch each other? Were they scared to touch each other? Oh, they were all they were they were doing everything. There's just no crowd. It, it was just <laughs> like an air kick or a, you know some shit like in a bad you kung know. fu movie. Yeah, and when they and then when they try to do their promos and talk shit, and there's no crowd to cheer them on. It, it's like, really hard it, because you know stuff like that. You kind of feed off the crowd's energy. So there's yeah. no crowd there. You have no energy. I guess they yeah. made it work the best way they could, but you know. Yeah. Yeah, it was so it was kind of awkward. Like, imagine, you know, imagine Stone Cold not having the crowd while he was saying what? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like one person you in know, the background say this about it. Or Bubba Dudley telling Devon to get the tables just by himself. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't work. It doesn't feel the same. Yeah, but, it just you know, doesn't have that same pizzazz. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. You kind of got to make do as best you can in these trying times. So, you know, everybody's trying to, do, uh, you know, give entertainment as best they can. TikTok is on a rise. You know, I do have some good news, Eli, and I know you hate Will Smith with a passion. And that's fine. Uh-huh. I've come to terms with that. But please tell me you love DJ Jazzy Jeff. It's DJ. I don't I, I you know you know I don't hate Will Smith with a passion <laughs> I just don't care. hate requires energy <laughs> <laughs> I thought you like smashing the table anytime you come you know a men in black commercial comes on some shit like no, that <laughs> I just like you know I, I just you know sometimes he proves me like Suicide Squad he I didn't he was probably the best part of that movie was <laughs> it's not saying much Eli it's kind of like a backhanded compliment <laughs> <laughs> well that's bad like where I you know, the movie's so bad that even I liked Will Smith in that movie <laughs> <laughs> well at least there's something good out of it <laughs> you know so Jazzy uh, but, Jeff I guess uh, okay um, you know, Jazzy Jeff I I, okay Jazzy Jeff is his DJ you know like you know back in the 80s when you was rapping you always had your one two combo with the rapper and the DJ stuff like that and DJ Jazzy Jeff got affected by the coronavirus and it was like really bad. People saying all kind of crazy stuff like uh, he had pneumonia, both lungs. Uh, he had a coronavirus. He had, you know, pre, you know, symptoms. He's in critical condition. So, so, so we didn't know what was going to happen to Jazzy Jeff. Then, you know, this weekend where they have all these DJ battles, things like that. Jazzy Jeff shows up on his Facebook live. He's like, look, I'm not dead. I'm still alive. I had Corona. It was really bad. I got over it. Let's get the party going. And he did a whole yeah. hour and a half of DJ spinning shit like that. We're like, okay, cool. Dad, Jazzy Jeff is okay. You know, uh, I'm just saying, we got to protect Jazzy Jeff at all costs. You know? Yeah. I guess Idris Elba is better too. He, he, he's he just, he's better. Black Superman. Of course he's going to get better. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. 
Yeah. So but, is Tom Hanks and his old lady and Rita Wilson. I guess they're better. Yeah, I mean, like I said, there are people recovering. You know? There are people recovering. Some people, you know, are not going to make it. Some people are going to get hurt, hit. And April is going to be a tough, tough time for all of us, you know. So we just got to just yeah. band together and just make it through April because we don't know how we're going to make it out on the other side of this. But yeah, stay the fuck home, goddammit. Please I, like, stay the fuck home. That's I went out just... yesterday. I went out yesterday and, like, what the fuck kind of quarantine is this? <laughs> right, everybody just out and shit, you know. Yeah, where's the dystopian future that I was like looking forward to? Like, there's all these motherfuckers out, you know. <laughs> well, see, that's there in Mississippi. They're paying attention to it because the mayor. Oh, we're finally on lockdown, Eli. I know last week uh, we talked about it. We're finally on lockdown. We have a curfew. Uh, business, non-essential businesses have been shut down. So yes, when I did walk outside, it did look like you know I am legend. You know. Oh man, I wish that would happen around not around here, man. That's why I posted on we my got, Facebook. Yeah, we're all, we one week lockdown, man, and motherfuckers are out. Like cars are constantly. I live right by a freeway, so I, that's constant traffic, man. And I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck, man? You Y'all are just having too much fun months. in the post-apocalyptic era. <laughs> yeah, like what the hell, man? Get the fuck home, man. You know, or else we're gonna be out of work for even longer. <laughs> exactly. But guess what, Eli? Even though we're under curfew, I have my essential employee paperwork. Oh, yeah? You got your green card? You got, I got your ID? I got my green card. Just, <laughs> just in case if I ride through a green book city, you know. Because I am in Mississippi. Your papers? No, no, sir. I, I have my paperwork, sir. Hold on, let me grab my paperwork. <laughs> oh, man. I saw a meme the other day. It's like like Django. It's like when you when you show the uh, the police you have your employees' paperwork, you look like Django walking through the slave plantation. I do have a receipt. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, wait, what else we got to talk about? Can we move on past that? Sure. <laughs> okay, let's move on. All right, so like I said, we're making do the best way we can with this podcast. So we're completely switching the formats. So we normally move to the, the box office numbers, but there are no box office numbers. So I decided to do something a little bit different, Eli. I decided to surprise you. Uh, we're going to do the top 10 streaming numbers of movies. Ooh. Exactly. So not so we're basically the movies that people stream right now. So, Eli, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to test you on this one. So what is the number one streaming movie of the week? I don't know, Bad Boys? It is Bad Boys. Good guess. Is it? <laughs> I mean, what is like 10 movies came out this year. <laughs> it's not hard to guess. I just saw that because it can't, it popped up on my voodoo. It was like, hey, you know, available now or whatever. H- have you seen Bad it yet? Boy. No. Okay. I, I, like I said, oh, I forgot. Kate Will Smith with a passion. <laughs> you got like Martin Lawrence. I don't mind Martin. Martin's cool. <laughs> Martin. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So we got Bad Boys for Life. We got The Current War, Director's Cut, which I never heard of, but apparently it's a big movie. Sonic the Hedgehog, Impractical Jokers, The Captain, whatever it is. Birds of Prey is on there. Way down yeah, there. Yeah, I saw that. I was going to get that. I was. I, about I thought about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get Birds of Prey eventually down the road. Uh, we got Doolittle. Uh, the Inventor, Alpha Blood in Silicon Valley, I think. The Gentleman. Uh, oh, that's good. I did see that. That's good. Yep. Uh, Clemency. And rounding out the list, Bloodshot. Okay. I do got that. I bought that. So you got Bloodshot and you got Birds of Prey. I'm going to get both of those. I No, I haven't gotten Birds of Prey yet. Oh, oh you said you're going to get it, but you got Bloodshot right now. So Yeah. So and that, there's right, Rise of Skywalker came out, but like, hmm, you know, I got to, I got to, you know, I got to. I can't flow like that right now. You know, I yeah, I'm money. pretty sure when we revisit this list, uh, Rise of Skywalker will be at the top of the list. People can talk shit about Star Wars all they want to, but at the end of the day, Star Wars is still Star Wars. 
yeah. going to dominate any streaming, any box office, anything you want to talk about. People shit on it. People hate on it. They still buy it. So that's yeah. that's one of the uh, the few things we can always count on. Um, so yeah, like I said, that's the box office. Well, not even the box office. The streaming Fandango numbers that we have right there. And now before we get into our review of what we're going to do today, Eli, I know you wanted to talk about some things. You want to get into it? Uh, yeah, just what I've been watching. I mean, I I've, haven't read much because there's there's nothing to read. There's nothing to read, so I just been kind of catching up on some things, and you know. But I did watch a few the other day. Kevin Eastman live streamed from his house uh, the Ninja Turtle. I guess it was like the 30th anniversary. Nice of, of the original Ninja Turtles movie. So he live streamed it, and um, he sat there and watched it, and like answered questions and had trivia you know if you answer it in time you get like he'll send you something cool and shit of course he never answered my questions because there's like thousands of people all asking at once over the live the live chat yeah so um <clears throat> but it was cool he just talked it was like watching a commentary a live commentary with uh, the the creator of the of the movie he of, was of like live tweeting and all this stuff yeah it was like a facebook live facebook yeah he live did you hashtag live. No. That's why. <laughs> That's why he didn't ask you questions. Oh, really? Well, no, yes, it was, it was on Facebook. It was on Facebook. I thought you were supposed to. Oh, oh on Facebook. Okay, you said Facebook. Okay, my bad, my bad. I thought you said yeah. Twitter. Because if you're on Twitter, you have to put the hashtags every time. Otherwise, yeah. they're not going to you know, pay attention. But That's I was what asking, I was doing when I was yeah, watching Doctor Strange. Yeah, I was asking about like who, who came up with Goongala and all that shit. and <laughs> Really obscure shit, but they, they didn't answer mine. But... Yeah. Uh, but one thing, and I hate to admit this, but fuck it, I will. I'm, I'll admit this on here. Just exclusive. This is an exclusive news. Ooh, okay. Um, yeah, while he was watching the movie, he ordered a pizza. You know, because Ninja Turtles pizza, you know. Oh, why not? okay. I, I feel like he was, uh, what do you call it? Cross-marketing or... I guess. He actually did. He says he's ordering from his favorite local spot, and he's promoting... You know, promoting the local businesses, especially Product during placement. Animal. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was a shout out to his local pizzeria. You know, but he ordered his fa- one of one of the trivia questions was, "What's his favorite kind of pizza?" And it's it was a uh, Hawaiian with jalapenos. Ew, that's disgusting. And, I think the yeah, yeah didn't they order it in in the movie? I don't know. He said no. He answer. ordered like some disgusting shit on on the. In a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle like cartoon and movies and shit like that. Yeah, he says no anchovies, dude. If you got anchovies on there, you're in big trouble, dude. I remember that. Right. <laughs> but um, but but I don't know. I hate pineapple on pizza. I think it's blasphemy. You know, especially when I moved away from New York and the first time I saw that, I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with these people? But watching that motherfucker eat that pizza, you, you watched? Like, Ugh, that's disgusting. He was there eating pizza. I was like, damn, that pizza actually looks good. So you know what I fucking did? I ordered a, ho- a Hawaiian pizza with jalapeno. That's disgusting, man. <laughs> so basically the product I, placement and worked. And I ate it. I ate it. And well, Okay, okay. Where was your I, pizza from? Mine was from Jets across the street. Okay. I live like kind of in a busy area. So the place I order is right across the street. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, I ordered a yeah, Hawaiian with jalapenos. If the uh, if the pineapple weren't there, it'd be awesome. Then it's just basically Canadian bacon and jalapenos. Right. You know. But yeah, just something about the sweet. I can't do 
sweet with my food or something. Like if I want something sweet, I'll eat a donut. You know what I mean? Right, I don't but it's separate, it. not like a donut on top of your burger. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah like that shit at J, uh, KFC. KFC now where they got the, the donuts and the chicken. I'm like, yeah, people worried about the- coronavirus. That shit will kill you faster than coronavirus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, in a country where an epi- we have an, uh, an obese epidemic. Right. You know. <laughs> Let's throw a chicken between two donuts. <laughs> right. I have a triple like bypass with a diet stroke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So just this, like, I'm not like, yeah, I'm just not a fan of it. So after ordering the pizza, Hawaiian pizza, which, you know, I hate, I, I really wasn't that moved. Like, even though it looked good, I ate it and I was like, eh. I was still pretty much so my opinion didn't change on Hawaiian pizza, but I admit that's what I'm admitting to. I I admit that I actually, on purpose, bought a Hawaiian pizza <laughs> because of Kevin Eastman. Because I was watching Ninja Turtles, yes. <laughs> because I'm a fucking tool like that. <laughs> because what you thought that if you eat like shit pizza, you were gonna uh, bang Julie Strain also or something? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just thought it looked good, so I want to eat that too. Cause like he's eating it and the turtles eat it, and I'm like, yeah, it'll be, you know. You know like- what? It worked. It worked. At my like 11th or 12th birthday party, I had a birthday party at Pizza Hut. We all ate pizza only because I saw Ninja Turtles do it. So the yeah. shit works. You know. Like, oh, there's, you know, they got fucking Star Wars toys at McDonald's. Let's go McDonald's. Right. Let's go get a Happy Meal. Cause the shit works. Stuff. It's subliminal messages. The shit works. People want to complain about it. The shit works. Yeah. So pineapple on pizza is only acceptable under quarantine. Right. <laughs> Things we learned that's, in quarantine. That's, that's the point of the story. <laughs> but other than that, yes. Also, it's comic book related. Watching the Ninja Turtles with Kevin Eastman. Was was kind of cool, I gotta say. <laughs> yeah. And at the time, I think it was like the highest grossing independent movie ever until I think a uh, Blairwick Project came out or some shit like that. Yeah, and like it's very. If you read the old comics, that first Ninja Turtle movie follows. Well, see, they had no choice. They had no choice because they said that when they made the movie, like the cartoon, like anything that was created from the cartoon, they didn't have the rights to. So they only could draw from the source material of the comic. So that yeah. was that's why there was no Bebop and Rocksteady. That's why there was no Krang. That's why there was no you know anything like that. So they were forced yeah. to do the source material. Yeah, and it's very closely. It follows very closely to that original number one comic. Right. You know, like and the like arc, the City of War. Arc. Well, not the City of War arc, but the uh the one where only thing different is like when the hand, not the hand, the foot. When they attack, instead of Leonardo and beat the shit out of him, it was actually Raphael like to beat the shit yeah. out of him. Yeah, because yeah. that was the Leonardo one shot that they took that from. Like even my brother, when he was he was like what seven or eight at the time, mm-hmm. and he saw that he's like, "That's not they didn't do that." Like he because he because I had all those old comics and he right. was reading them and and he was like, "That's not right. It should have been Raph, uh, Leonardo or Raph, Leonardo." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who got? I think no, no, no. I think Leonardo in the movie got to should beat out of him, but in the comic, I think it was Raphael. No, it's Raphael. It's vice no, the versa. comic was Leonardo, and yeah, and Raphael. Whoever, right? Whoever. Raphael. It was the same thing, but it was a different turtle. Whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> we remember yeah. that much. So yeah. And so uh, yeah, awesome movie, man. That's, honestly, I, I think it's still one of the greatest comic movies of all time. It was Jim Henson's last movie. Jim Henson was the one that did the uh, the costume design of the Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Just yeah, like, he did. Yeah. And Golden Harvest. Golden Harvest. That's uh uh Raymond Chow's company, the guy who brought Bruce Lee, you know. 
Right. He's Raymond Chow, he's a Hong Kong Phil. He worked with the Shaw brothers, and he's the one who discovered Bruce Lee. So, it, like, right at the beginning of the movie, Golden, Golden Harvest Presents. I was like, holy shit. Golden Harvest, no shit. Like, I didn't even know that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome movie. Yeah. Sam Rockwell is in the movie. He is. Little Sam Rock. That yep. was another trivia question. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is always a trivia question you ask about Teeny Minton. Yes, he's in the movie. So. Yeah. Um, so, uh, any other movie you had you want to talk about? Oh, I watched Dead Presidents okay. um, the other day. Uh, hadn't seen that in a while. I've actually never seen it. You've never seen it? Oh, it's a great movie. I've um, heard I actually it saw. I saw it in the movie theater. Like when it first came out, it's uh, the, the the Hughes brothers' second movie. Yep, they did Menace Society, which I love that movie, and then they mm-hmm. did that one, and then it kind of faded away. Then, yeah, then they kind of kind of from hell. They did another because they did a comic book movie called From Hell. You know, mm. Johnny Depp, Alan Moore, an Alan Moore comic. <laughs> but uh, but Dead Presidents, I just found out the other day because I watched it that it's semi based on a true story, which I never knew. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I guess um, it's based on a guy's life, this Vietnam vet, and he wrote an autobiography. And um, yeah, it's based on events. Basically, he, he went to Vietnam. He came back. He was struggling, couldn't get a job. And they end up, he ended up joining the Black Panthers, and they robbed – in, in real life, it was uh, – they robbed like a postal truck, like a, like a, like a mail truck full of like money. So, um, and, but that's what the movie's about. It's about, it's kind of like the deer hunter where, you know, menace to society is kind of like Goodfellas. Mm-hmm. This dead presidents is kind of like the deer hunter where it's three friends. They're growing up in the Bronx. They go to Vietnam. They come back. They're, de- they're dealing with the struggles and trauma of that. And, you know, he can't make ends meet. He can't, he can't hold down a job and he ends up, they end up plotting to rob an armored truck. And so that's what the movie is about. But it also had this big, strong comment on, you know, black war veterans, people of color of war veterans that came that go and fight, you know, for their country and then come back and they don't get anything. You know, they get their, you know, their, their veterans benefits are cut off. They're like, they can't get a job, you know, the military usually look for, you know, people of color too you know they look people of color first to recruit yeah yeah and i was like re- I, so after watching the movie i was like reading up on this guy that this was based on and yeah he actually talked about how even in vietnam he went when he was over in vietnam all the colored soldiers they had the shitty jobs like cleaning out latrines and shit while the white soldiers had you know they had they were doing like paperwork and shit. wow <laughs> so even over there you're always the, the first ones to go out at night, you know, on patrol, they're always. It was always like the colored soldiers going out on patrol, while the white soldiers got to hang back in the in the in the uh, in the what do you call those the bungalow the, things the or barracks. whatever. Or... Yeah, okay. or the, those underground shelters. What are they called again? Um, I forget. But uh, but yeah, he talked about that, and then co- coming back to Viet or coming back from Vietnam, how difficult it was to get a job, and you know. And just not being it, no one would hire him, how, how everyone shit on him. Like, even in the hood, like, he'd go back to the neighborhood and people were, you know, this is all during the civil rights time, you know, and how people in the neighborhood was like, you're, you're, you're a dumbass for going and fighting that white man's war and all that shit. 
look what you you come back and you you know they didn't give you anything. You didn't get a goddamn thing when you come back. So he even got shit from both ends, right? You know, and um, and there's a scene in there in in Dead Presidents where he's in Vietnam and you know, and they just like you know had a battle and they're and they're they're like on a recon crew and they're you know going through all the the carnage and they find one of those leaflets and it's a it's like some propaganda leaflet and it talks about how like black men go home this isn't your war you know stuff like that and mm-hmm. and of course his his uh ceo is like you know throw that damn commie bullshit away <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and then he comes back he comes back it's lorenz tate one of you know lorenz tate he was in Minnesota society, uh, yeah. society he was one of the big actors you know big black actors from the 90s mm-hmm. he plays the main character he comes back and he can't get a job and his his friend his his girlfriend's sister she's in the she's in the black panthers and stuff and you know she's calling him she, yeah, you're being brainwashed and all that stuff so it was it was it's it was very like relevant like as as far as like how what's going on today but even back then you know cuz it came out in the 90s and this is right after the LA riots and Rodney King and all that stuff was going on. And, you know, and we had desert storm happen. So there was like, it was timely for that. It was like relevant for that time, but also now it's still like dealt with, you know, power, how, you know, poverty of, and, and veterans, veterans of the Afghanistan Iraq wars are, you know, they're, you know, my baby's mom and worked at the VA, you know, there was a hiring freeze, you know, they were kicking, veterans off their benefits and stuff and you know that stuff still happens you know so it was it was quite an eye-opener watching it again and i like i said just realizing that it was based on a true story i was like whoa that so i like actually want to like find this guy's book you know and check it out <laughs> right you seen that he had all that in there yeah and plus, just the, the imagery of that them, you know, they they dressed up in black and they had like they painted their faces white, like ghost faced, you know. Right. And that's how that's how they robbed the, the armored truck and stuff like that. <laughs> but yeah, Dead Presidents, man, it still holds up. I had a, I had a great time watching it, and you know, so check it. Cool, cool. Okay. Uh, anything else before we jump into it? Uh not not that I know of, no. Okay, all right, so this is the part where we actually talk about the comic books, even though there were no comic books that came out this week, we just decided to make up uh, a segment. So what we're going to do is actually take it back to the 90s, actually to October 1991. Now we're going to paint the time, we're going to paint the time. Uh, Eli, the number one song in October 1991 was Mariah Carey's Emotions. Oh, damn. Yeah, <laughs> and the number one movie of 1991 was Terminator 2 Judgment Day. I remember that. Yeah. T2. T2. Now, I tried to find out some other things, like uh, who was, uh, like who won the Super Bowl, who won the NBA. I couldn't find all that shit, news, stuff like that. Oh, one very important fact that actually plays into a fact of the review we're going to do is that 1991 was the year the, the wall fell. And well, actually, not the wall fell, but the USSR fell. That's right. And it got away from I do comedy, remember that. Which will play a factor into the book we're going to do now. So, the book we're going to do now is uh, X Men. Everybody loves X-Men, right? X-Men were the 90s. <laughs> Except they sure Eli. were. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, like let's said, look at the X-Men. <laughs> right. I, I knew, I, knew I had to pick my battles with you, Eli. I knew I had, because I want to do X-Men book, and I, I want to do either this book or I want to do God Loves Man Kill. 
and I had to really think about like which one because I, I know I'm going to get one out of you. <laughs> so I realized that God, God loves man kills more like an introspective book. We talked about like you know really digs into the dichotomy between mutant racism and classism and civil rights. Or do we want to do a, a Jim Lee Claremont bang Bing Bang blockbuster summer event whatever like that? And I feel like if we're gonna do one, let's do let's do a fun one, you know. So the reason we're talking about this book is because fun fact, X Men number one that the book that this one we're talking about is actually the highest selling comic book of all time. Of all time. Of all time. There is no way. This is the peak of X Men. So 1991 is the peak of the comic book industry in general. It is the mm -hmm. highest it has ever been. It's the highest it probably ever will be. It has never been that high before. And this is like around the time when the X-Men cartoon came out. Yes. They, it was an X-Men explosion. Yeah. yeah, I was like 1991. I was a senior in high school. Mm -hmm. So I graduated in 92. So I was, at the time, for me, I was kind of, I was already done with like superheroes, you know, there was I was still reading like The Punisher and Ghost Rider at the time, but I mostly I was reading like Dark Horse. Like I had found Dark Horse and I was reading Aliens and Predator and Sin City and I was reading Heavy Metal magazine. So I, I was kind of done with superheroes. Mm -hmm. But my little brother, he was like eight or nine at the time, and he this was his shit. This he he had dyslexia as a kid, so he yeah. had a hard time reading and comic books. He attributes comic books with learning, you know, teaching him how to read. And he was all about – that was right when they relaunched the X-Men. And number one, X-Men number one. And that's the thing because people were thinking, oh, this is the first X-Men. Because people looking at the cartoon never heard of X-Men. So when they see X-Men number one, they're thinking, oh, this is the first time we're going to find out what the X-Men are. No, they actually been around since the 60s. It's like a 300th issue really they're putting out. But yeah. whatever. That's when Marvel realized that, oh, if we num number a book number one, it sells more. That's why they keep rebooting this shit over and over and over again because it sells more. They they just now figured that shit out back in 1991. You know. <laughs> so funny thing about it. And another reason why this book is actually like really, really special is because it is actually the last story arc of uh, Chris Claremont. Now, the reason the X-Men are so popular are because not because of Stan Lee. Everybody gives credit for Stan Lee for everything. Everybody thinks Stan Lee created the Marvel Universe in his mom's basement with a ruler and a pen. That is not true. He has several collaborations. The X-Men is actually one of his failed collaborations. He had the X-Men, ran the X-Men to the ground. They got canceled. It actually got picked up by other uh, creators like Lynn Wing. Lynn Wing, creator of Swamp Thing. Uh, Lynn Wing, creator of Wolverine. You know, yeah. he's the one that brought the X-Men back to life. He did his thing, left, and then Chris Claremont came and had one of the longest runs of any comic creator ever on any book. From 1976 till 1991, he was the mm -hmm. only uh, X-Men writer. That was it. So every story between then was him. Uh, Dark Phoenix Saga, Days of Future Past. Uh, any anything you can think of, mutant massacre, anything, it's it's all him. So that's why this is a big deal right here. So this is actually his swan song, and I talked a little more about why this is the ending of him for this book. Now, one thing I do want to talk about before we jump into this review, uh, Eli, is that the X Men are kind of special for me because I'm one of the few people that actually was reading X Men or knew about X Men before the cartoon ever came out. So I knew who all these characters were. 
So when the cartoon came out, it exploded. My my you know my classmates were going crazy about it. And like, hey, he's that kid to read comics. What's gonna happen on the next episode? <laughs> you know. So they asked me like, who's this character? What's gonna happen there? What's his backstory? I would tell them what's gonna happen on the next episode. This shit happened, and they're looking at me like I'm fucking you know Nostradamus or some shit. <laughs> you know, because I've already read yeah. this shit. <laughs> and my so, like I said, my little my little brother was all yeah the toys, right? The cartoon the comics he devoured that shit yeah. and I, I and they were just around like i kind of stopped I, I wasn't following comics as much as i was i started smoking weed so i you know my money was going towards other things so i just didn't have the funds to follow comics like i had been but my mom was by my little brother all this shit so <laughs> i had he had all these comics and you know i i was you know bored on the shitter Grab grab one of his X-Men. Well, grab one of his X-Force. Cable. He loved Cable. You know? <laughs> he loved X-Force. He loved Warpath. I thought he was corny, but he loved him. <laughs> but like I said, I was a cynical high school kid. He's a little eight-year-old. You know? <laughs> like, and, I, and I get it. You were into different types of comic books. You were really into like yeah. the mainstream superhero. Because X-Men, at the time, like the book we're about to read, this is as mainstream as you can get. This is pure uncut you know straight into your veins you know chop it up and snort it x-men you can't get more pure than what we're about to do right now if you're in the x-men yeah so i think we should just jump into the review i think we you know reminisce and this was huge this was huge at the time this this was huge because yeah. even when... i yeah yeah because I... even me i was like oh they're rebooting the x-men and yes jim lee's drawing them and it looks really cool maybe uh, maybe this will be it Maybe this will be my ter- my finally I'll get into the X-Men. So even back then, I said, I'll give the X-Men another try. <laughs> <laughs> because I think cause the X-Men were like, if you had read the X-Men before this book, they were doing all kind of crazy shit. They was in Australia. They thought they were dead. Professor X was in space. Uh, they, they were just all doing all kind of wild shit. So they actually brought it back to basically the basics. So everything. They were already, yeah, they were already huge before this shit came out. Right. That's yeah. the thing, like, this is, pe- like, it, what people remember of the X-Men, this is it. This is, like, the tip-top peak of X-Men. This ain't Jonathan Hickman, Hickman, oh, let's deconstruct it. No, this is, boom, them, the X-Men. Yeah. So, I think we should yeah. just jump into this bad boy. Okay. All right, let's do it. So, I'm, I'm trying to see how we're going to do this review. Do you want to do it like we normally do it? Like, I do issue one, you do issue two, I do issue three? No. Maybe not. Okay. 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 I'm, I, I, it's all blurring I was just, to me. I, I was just hard, throwing, all blurring. I don't know which one is which. I was just throwing out an idea. <laughs> it's, it's cool. It's cool. We got shot down. That's fine. We're going to grow with this bad boy. <laughs> all right. So the book starts off out with a, a heist. So apparently some people have stolen a S.H.I.E.L.D. space shuttle. They're on the run. They're flying in the outer space. They're being tracked by three other S.H.I.E.L.D. spaceships. They was able to shoot one down the two other S.H.I.E.L.D. spaceships and going into them. They get into this big dogfight in the middle of space. Where are they going? Nobody knows. But all of a sudden, boom, they run into Magneto, who's out in space because his spaceship, Asteroid M, is floating 250 miles above Mother Russia. Nobody knew that. He nobody knew that. He was just hiding out the whole time, just chilling, just not bothering anybody, just keeping to himself. He sees these people invading his airspace. He's like, What the fuck are y'all doing? And they're thinking they're gonna you know, Magneto's gonna kill him. He was like, No, I'm not gonna kill you. I'm not some kind of terrorist, I'm not some kind of bad guy. What I'm gonna do, I'm gonna take you back to where you came from and just tell whoever sent you, leave me the fuck alone. They were like, No, Magneto, don't do that. 
We're your worshipers. We're your flock, your followers, your your acolytes. Now, keep in mind, the acolytes is a big deal because in the 90s, they become a real pain in the X-Men's ass. Let's keep going on with that. Mm -hmm. So Magneto's just like, okay, well, he decides to take him hostage and just take him back to Asteroid M. Why are they doing that? Meanwhile, because what happened, because since Magneto has been chilling in Asteroid M, he's been uh, uncontent. You know, nobody has known he's even been up there the whole time. But when he did that, Russia found out that he's there. The, the planet Earth has found out he's there. And Russia finds out he's 250 miles exactly right above them. They're like, okay, that is a problem. We First off, we didn't even know Magneto was even still around. Now that he's here and he's this crazy-ass terrorist, we need to exact the Magneto protocols. They're like, what the fuck the Magneto protocols? Like, get Moscow on the phone, get the White House on the phone. We need to activate the Magne uh, Magneto protocols right now. So the, uh, the president, who's the president in 1991? Is it? It Bush. Bush. Bush Sr. Okay. Bush Let's Senior, say it's Bush yeah. Sr. Bush Sr. is having a conversation with his senior advisor, Nick Fury, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Not Sammy Jackson, the white one. Like I said, it's the 90s. So he's having a conversation with Nick Fury. Nick Fury is trying to talk him out of doing the Magneto protocols. They're like, I know everybody else is itching to get a Magneto, but don't do it. Because if the Russians go up there and start a war with Magneto, we're going to have some real serious problems. He was like, so, uh, so Nick Fury, what, if, what, do you, what uh, do you propose? He was like, I think I can put together a team. Because that's always Nick Fury's thing, you know. <laughs> so we cut to the X-Men, and it's like a seven-long page. No, a ten-page ten long of just them training. And we know yeah. what this is. It's basically we're getting to know the X-Men. You got uh, basically the training exercise is about they send two teams after to capture Professor X. Whoever capture Professor X wins. Uh, Archangel sends Colossus through the window, tries to get him. Gene Gray takes him out with a psychic attack. Gambit uh, actually gets close to the window, but turns out he only captured the LND, a, a decoy robot. But while he's doing that, Wolverine is using all his distraction to actually get a hold of uh, Professor X himself and puts the claws right in front of him. Bang, Charlie, you're dead. You know, fucking around with him and shit like that. Psylocke's bending over. Oh, yeah. oh man. Jim Lee loves Psylocke. <laughs> I realize that. He loves drawing her. You can tell who his favorite is. But anyway, Wolverine wins the contest. He decides to go smoke a cigarette. Oh, fun fact. Uh, comics actually, well, Marvel banned cigar smoking altogether in 2000. That was because of Joe Casada. His father passed of lung cancer, so he banned smoking. Keep in mind, this is before that. This is the 90s. Everybody smoked. If you're smoking, Wolverine's smoking, Gambit's smoking, fuck it. If you're cool, you smoke. So while they're training, Nick Fury interrupts them. He's telling them all what's going on. Uh, your buddy Magneto has reappeared. They're like, oh shit. And he's taking some hostages. Like, oh shit. Uh, and the Russians are inching to go up there, but we need, but I'm trying to give you a heads up about what's going on right now. And they were like, well, we all need to be prepared what's going on because uh we know Magneto. He's been a terrorist in the past, you know, leopard and change his spots. And Wolverine's like, oh, he's a he's a leopard? I thought he was a man. You know, man's have past. Man's can change sometimes. That's the thing, because Magneto is a complicated character. Now, this isn't an origin or a reboot of the X-Men. This is a continuation of the X-Men. Magneto was an X-Man. He was their worst enemy at one time. Then he changed his ways. He joined the team and got in a relationship with Rogue and, you know, hung out with him a while. But then crazy shit happened and he decided to go his own ways, whatever like that. You know, and also, he was actually like the, the headmaster of the New Mutants. Like, you know, he taught them how to fight and all this shit like that. So, there's like, we just need to be prepared in case some crazy shit happen. While they're doing that, Magneto 
uh is back on asteroid m talking to the people and shit like that that he's got he he's not holding hostage he's basically treating like guests y'all chill y'all hang out and nothing's gonna happen to him but they're fighting amongst each other because you got humans well the shield agents fighting against the the mutants that, that snuck on the board and one of them actually shoot one of the mutants on board and the blood's like splat all over mutant uh magneto stuff like that and the, the girl mutants is like save us magneto be our savior and magneto's just fucking pissed so he makes the dude magnetically raise the gun to his own head, shoot him in the head. Like, oh shit. So he so Magneto's just like, okay, I killed one of the shield agents. They're not gonna be too happy about that. So when they find out, I'm gonna have some fucking problems. Uh so the main mutant on the Acolyte's team name is Fabian Cortez. Now keep in mind, Fabian Cortez is also a pain in the ass that's in the Magne the X-Men comics later on down the road. Fabian Cortez tells Magneto, look, Magneto, you're the you're the best motherfucker we ever met in our life. You're cool. But when they find out what you did, they're going to come. Now, yeah, you can stop something like that, but we need to make sure that they have plans, but they don't even think about coming to you. Like, well, what do you think I should do? I have a plan. So Magneto decides to... Now, back in the 80s, 70s, something like that, Magneto, when he was like full-on mutant terrorist and shit like that, he blew up a submarine, killed everybody on the, on the ship and shit like that. And that's one of the reasons why he had now, because they're kind of looking for him for murdering all those people on there. But... That submarine had a whole bunch of nukes on there, so, so Magneto decides to find that submarine, use magnetic powers to raise it back up to the surface, and steal all the nukes. While he's going there, the, the X-Men find him. Some of them try to have a conversation. The other ones just say, fuck it, let's just fight his ass. So they just start fighting. Um, Psylocke kicks the shit out of him. B starts, you know, punching him. And Wolverine's like, fuck it, I'm just like the shit out of him. So Wolverine actually like tags him pretty good. Cyclops blasts him, blasts him to the next room, and blasts him actually into the submarine. When he's in the submarine, he sees nothing but like dead bodies and skeletons and shit like that, and he realized that's what he did to those submarines. He, knew, he wasn't faced with the mortality of what he caused. And it's, the last time he was surrounded by dead bodies and skeletons like this was the last time he was in, you know, the Nazi death camp. So now he's realizing he's become what he's hated. But the X-Men is still coming at them. Wolverine's like on full-blown berserker mode, like, I'm, I'm finna end this shit. I'm finna put all six of my claws in the wool in Magneto's chest. He uses uh, magnetic powers, throws Wolverine away because he's not trying to kill the X-Men. He's trying to just, you know, just going about his business. Takes the nukes, fly off into space. Rose is like, okay, all of you guys are stupid. I'm going to have a conversation with, with Magneto myself. She flies off into space with Magneto. Well, as, fly, as high as she can go, not quite space, how she can go. And she just has a conversation with him. She's like, Magneto, look at what you're doing. They think you're the boogeyman. Everything they say about us they use you as an example of how, how evil we can be. And you're acting exactly how they think you are. That's why everybody's freaking out. And many are like, what do you want me to do? They're like, how about you just come down, have a conversation with everybody, talk to you. And while she's doing that, the Russians have already fired on Magneto because he's in their airspace. But instead of firing on him, they fire on Rogue. And Magneto's like, Rogue, well, there's your answer. That's why I can't, you know, cooperate with everything that's going on. I try to be good. I try to do everything Charles wanted me to do. And this is the shit that happened. So I'm finna let them know not to fuck with me. And what he does, he sets off a nuke in space, in, in, in the atmosphere. Now, the nuke doesn't destroy anything. But since it's just a huge-ass EMP, it pretty much just knocks out all the power in, in Russia. So, and then he flies off to space, and he's got the nukes just... Floating around asteroid M's in case if anybody even tries to fuck with them, you know. Uh, but the thing is, his fight with the X-Men kind of left him wounded. The slashes that he got from Wolverine and we got a, you know, uh, sliced by Cyclops. He's feeling it. So he passes out. Fabian Cortez is like, you know what, Magneto? 
you rest. I'm going to heal you just like I did my sister, even though she got shot. But while you're resting, I'm going to take up the cause in your name. So Professor X gets a call to the X-Men and she's like, okay, I know what's going on. Uh, I know y'all looking for Rogue. You can't find Anthony Seth Nukov. I got a call from Rogue. She's actually in Genosha. Why is she in Genosha? They don't even explain it. Whatever. X-Men go there. And the Acolytes, Fabian Cortez goes down there to try to pick a fight with, uh, with Rogue and the Genosians just to just fuck with them. Whatever. X-Men beat the Acolytes. And before they can do anything, Magneto finally wakes up and comes back to the Genosians and say, hey, leave my Acolytes alone. I know there's some dumbasses. I know they did this shit without my permission. But you don't touch them. That's my job to punish them. Otherwise, we're going to have an issue. They get to another fight. That's the, that's the end of issue one. Uh, you sure you don't want to do issue two, Eli? Uh, go ahead, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, what happens in that one? Okay, okay. Uh, let's see. Yeah, the fight. Oh, yeah, it's what the shit in Genosha. Yep. <laughs> they fight some more. <laughs> you know what? You know more. what? I, I'll do this one. I'll do this one because actually, it's issue two. <laughs> It's actually a lot more stuff they, because they don't just fight. Like, there's some shit about Moria and Banshee and Magneto brings the house up to space. And yeah, that's actually something pretty that, yeah. That's actually pretty Yeah, that's some shit going on with that, which I wasn't familiar with. So you better do that. Okay, you know? I, would, I, would do that I would do that. <laughs> <laughs> I would do that. Okay, so issue two, actually what happens is that, okay, so the X-Men, at the last issue, X-Men beat the shit out of the Acolytes. Magneto shows up, beat the shit out of X-Men. And not only this, he got another acolyte like, just pops out of nowhere named Chrome or something like that. He stops all the X-Men one one shot. He takes all the X-Men up to uh, uh, Asteroid M also. So now all the X-Men are hostage. Um, and then Professor X is like, oh, he took all my X-Men. I need to have a conversation with Moria because he know he can feel something is up with Moria. Like something, why is she tripping out? She's in the in a cabin getting drunk. She's just like, I got to tell you what happened. Charles, I really fucked up this time. She's like, what'd you, what'd you do? What'd you do? And Magneto's standing behind him like, yeah, what did you do? I'm like, oh, shit. Because I, I think you uh trying to say you had something to do with me. Uh, And then she floats him in, and then he takes the cab and floats into space. He's like, don't worry about your X-Men coming for me because I'm floating in space and I want to have a conversation with both of you two by myself. So he, I'm going to ask you again, Moria, what did you do? And if you don't answer my question, I'm going to kick Charles out of this uh cabin and throw him in space. You got three seconds, one, two, and then she says what happens. Okay, so I'm going to give you a little backstory about what happened in the X-Men because of some of the weird shit also. Magneto was turned into a baby one time. Now, yeah, okay, there's a reason behind that. In story and outside story. You know how Magneto was born like in the 1920s or some shit like that and World War II and now we're in the 90s, but he's still all like abbed up and still look like the sexy man alive shit like that. Okay, so they had a problem with Magneto getting old even back then in the 80s. So, like, okay, we need to, like, de-age him. So, he, some weird-ass alien mutant or some shit like that turned Magneto into a baby. You know, he went to uh, Maury Matagas Island. She raised him for a little while, and then somehow he got turned back into an adult. But he didn't get turned back into his, like, regular age. He, like, turned into, like, a prime age. Like, so that's why he looks like he's in his 20s or his 30s and shit like that. You know, abbed up, six feet, whatever. You know, even though he's really like in his 60s or 70s or shit like that. So that, that's how they that's how they got around that shit in the, in the comics, you know. But what Maury Metagard said, what she did is that, yes, when Magneto was turned to a baby, she altered his DNA. Now, the reason she says she altered the DNA because she says she looked into his genetic code. And somehow because he generate he's such a, a powerful mutant 
that anytime he uses power, it creates like a chemical imbalance in his brain. Basically turns him into a sociopath. That's why he's so fucking crazy. So she decided, since he's a baby, if I can just rewrite his code and correct that chemical imbalance, I can make him good. So Maido didn't like that shit. Basically, she played around with his genetic code and made him docile and basically, you know, even though he was always a bad guy, basically anytime that he was good in the 80s is because of the bullshit that she did. That's what he thinks. He flips out, uh, almost kills her. He was like, you know what? I'm not going to kill you, Moria. What I want you to do is the same shit you did to me to make me docile, uncomplacent. I want you to do the same shit to the X-Men. Make them docile, uncomplacent, make them obey me. No, I won't do it. I wasn't asking you. And then he almost chokes her. She's like, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. So she does it. Turn the X-Men and basically into the Brotherhood. You know. But that's just the X-Men blue team. Oh, I forgot. I've got to tell you. I actually make some shit. Professor X turned, uh, split the X-Men into two teams. You got the blue team, which is a cool team. X, uh, Wolverine, Psylocke, Gambit, Rogue, the cool team. Then you got the gold team, Iceman, Archangel, Jean Grey, you know, the, the Colossus, the, the, the lame team, nobody ever reads. So the lame team <laughs> is on the ground, you know, and Jean Grey is running like uh, simulations and shit like that. And she ran 10 straight simulations about how they're going to go and take the team to go rescue them and they get beat every single time. And then Forge walks into the room. And he's just like, I got some news for you. He's like, wait, we got beat again? What are we, the Mets? You know, because the reason they're yeah. getting beat. For- Forge, is on, Forge is on that team, too. Forge is on the lane team, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So- awesome. That's awesome. Like, that makes me feel just great. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, you're on that team, okay? Because <laughs> the reason they yeah. get beat over and over again is because they're like, okay, yeah, we can beat the blue. Because the, the lane team, we, they're called the gold team. They're the gold team. So the gold team is like, yeah, we can beat the blue team. We can beat the acolytes. If we're lucky, we might can beat Magneto. But all three of them together all at one time, we can't beat them. It, it just can't be done. So what do we do? Well, we got to come up with a plan. But while they're doing that, Forge, basically, I got a phone call from Nick Fury. You know, Nick Fury, and for some reason, Nick Fury is all 90s up this time. He's got pouches, guns everywhere. Yeah, I, thought that, I totally thought that was Cable for a second. They made him look like Cable. So I was like, why do you look like Cable? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and why are you holding a gun when you're in the UN? <laughs> you're not going anywhere. You're just at, at work. But anyway, Nick Fury gives some news, and he was like, "Okay, I know y'all have problems. I know you, uh, the blue team, the cool team, you know, has been kidnapped, and you guys suck because you're the you're the scrub team. But we got problems. The Magneto Protocol has been activated. So what the hell is the Magneto Protocol? Okay, so the Magneto Protocols, uh, the Russians have actually developed basically like a mini Death Star." A planet killer. They didn't tell anybody. They just debated. Uh, and they deployed it into space. And they're going to aim it directly at Asteroid M. And it's basically like the power of many nukes. And when they shoot at Asteroid M, it's going to kill everybody on that, you know, in that base. Magneto, Acolytes, X-Men, Moria, everybody going to be gone. Uh, and it's going to be that, And, you know, and that's an actual reference to real life. Ronald Reagan, Star Wars. Star Wars, right. Okay, so, so t- tell me about Star Wars. Yeah. So Star Wars was Ronald Reagan wanted to equip satellites in space with nukes. What? Why did I know that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He called it Star Wars. Okay. You know, he made it sound cool, but not really how fucked up this shit sounds. Okay. And, the, and he, I mean, you know, 
officially it never happened. Uh, you know, they never did it, but they actually went to that summit where him and Gorbachev actually, Miguel Gorbachev, who was the prime minister of Russia at the time, mm-hmm. and they had the, um, the, the peace summit or whatever it was called, where they wanted, they were going to like, okay, we're going to not make nuclear weapons anymore. Because this is back in the 80s when that threat was real. Right. And we have so many nuclear weapons, we can blow up the world like 10 times. You know, yeah, we got, that's how many, how, that's how much nuclear weapons are on Earth. We can blow up the world 10 times. Uh, we don't have enough ventilators, though. Right. This doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> that's the crazy thing, right? <laughs> yeah, we got enough bombs to blow the shit out of it, but we ain't got ventilators for everybody. But anyways, those, those talks broke down because Reagan wanted his Star Wars satellites. So they never came to an agreement. So that's funny that when I saw that, that's what that made me remind. That's what that reminded me of. The, the Russians have their little mini Death Star, you know. <laughs> right. But the thing is, because of the threat of Magneto, both the United, the USSR and the United States agreed on this. So even though they didn't tell them they had a Death Star, they agreed on the yeah. shit. They were like, you know what, kill Magneto. Because the thing is, here's the reason they hate Magneto. And this is the parallel that I started realizing. It's not because Magneto is powerful. He is the most powerful mutant. But because he can inspire others to believe they're powerful enough to overthrow the government as it is. Because the fact that he's a symbol for an underclass, they have to take him out. They have to assassinate him. I thought that was, huh. Because Chris Claremont was always making a comparison with Malcolm X to, you know, Magneto. I'm like, that's a pretty yeah. good comparison right there. Yeah. You know. Uh, anyway, issue, okay, that's issue, issue two. That's done. Last story of this arc, and they pretty much put on there the last issue of Chris Claremont. This last issue he's going to yeah. write. Um, so the lame team, the scrub team, <laughs> uh, the gold <laughs> team. <laughs> so they realize how they can get to. So how they're going to get to Asteroid in without Magneto finding out they're there? What they do is that they they get a glider, not a plane, uh, a glider. They didn't fly anything like that, and Storm uses her power to fly them as far up to the stratosphere as they can until she gets to the point where there's no more wind, you know. So the rest of that way, Jean Grey uses her power to get them the rest of the way there. And she used, like, a tractor beam and load them up to there. And since the whole thing is made out of plastic, Magneto can't sense them and let them know they're there. So when they finally get to the base, uh, they sneak on. But the X-Men are already ready for him. The Acolytes are already ready for him. Magneto's already ready for him. They beat the shit out of him. But some weird shit happens. The X-Men start fighting the lame team. Like, the blue team start fighting the lame team. And start fighting the Acolytes. They're like, why, why are y'all fighting both of them? Because what the, what happened is that Moria Metagon, when she switched their DNA, what she was trying to tell Magneto from the beginning is that when she switched the DNA, you can't make somebody do something they don't want to do. So when the blue team start fighting the gold team, they realize, I don't want to fight you because you're my family, you're my friend, all this stuff like that. Now, the acolytes, fuck them, I'll fuck them up, you know. And that's what you're trying to tell Magneto. Magneto, I didn't make you do anything against your will. That's what you inherent, inherently, you're a good person. You did what you wanted to do. If you really didn't want to do all that good shit, you wouldn't have did it and nothing I could have did to do it. And he was like, well, I kind of see your point. But the thing is, I've seen so much fucked up shit in my life. I can't be a good person. Like, yes, Charles see all the good stuff in people because that's what he wants to see. But everything I've ever seen is bad. I went through Nazi death camps. Uh, I'm a mutant. I've seen the human race hate people because of the color of their skin, because of the God they choose to worship, or just because they got an extra gene in the DNA. I've seen all the stuff before, and people hate me just because I'm so powerful. So 
just because people can't see the good in me, I can never be one of you X-Men. I can't look at life the way you do, Charles. But while they're having all this philosophical conversation and fighting and shit like that, that's when the Russian mini Death Star shows up, you know, and blows a hole through Asteroid uh, M. And while they're doing that, Moria also told you, and man, you know, all this bullshit you've been doing, the reason you were good at one time and now you're acting crazy like that, because that fucker, Fabian Cortez, he's the one that's been filling your head with all this, you know, this crazy shit and gassing you up thinking that you're some kind of mutant messiah and mutant terrorist like that, even though you left all this stuff behind you, because he's an opportunist. He's really not healing you. What those wounds you got from Wolverine and Cyclops, he never healed them. He made you think they were healed. That's why you're actually getting weaker and you're dying the whole time. So while they have the conversation, they're like, okay, well, where's Fabian Cortez? He already hightailed it out of there. Fabian Cortez already took a jump ship and just flew off the, off the base. And not only that, he activated the Death Star himself. And not only that did he activate the Death dick. Star, yeah. And all those nukes that Magneto stole and have in front of Asteroid M that he told him to get, he tried to activate that shit too and also blow up Asteroid M. But Magneto knew what he was trying to do, so he deactivated the nukes before he could uh, blow them up. But meanwhile, the Death Star is still just shooting the Asteroid M over and over and over again. So Magneto's like, uh, tell you what, the X-Men, I'm going to let you leave. You get the fuck out of here. Y'all go. When like Charles is like, no, nah, Magneto, you come with us. Like, no, nah, I'm staying here. Because I'd rather die like a lion than live like a sheep. And all the other acolytes stay with Magneto. While the other man, he uh, forces the X-Men into like a pie ship and fly them out of there. But right before, you know, Asteroid M completely blows with the Death Star, completely blows it up. He lets his inner thoughts talk to Charles. And him and Charles had like one long conversation. And I love this conversation because it pretty much yeah. sums up everything that Chris Claremont was trying to say with these X-Men books. He's been trying yeah. to say... Uh, just what I was saying before that because of my I saved you X-Men for two reasons one because I love my people even though we never see eye to eye I love my people and I always make sure I protect them now Charles me and you may disagree on a lot of things but on that one thing we will agree on that's pretty much the only thing we'll ever see eye to eye on uh, because your outlook you always wish for hope you always look for the best in people you want, hope one day that the humans will accept you as one me, on the other hand, because I've seen the worst of people and seen so much fucked up shit in my life, I know they will never, ever accept us. And they will do one thing and just try to kill us all. And that's actually the second reason I let you live, Charles. Because when it's all said and done, I want you to realize that the humans are going to let you down. They're going to break your heart. And at the end of the day, you're going to say, I was right. And when it happens, Asteroid M blows up, Mayno dies, never to be seen again. Ever, ever. He's probably back like five <laughs> issues later, some shit like that. Uh, but yeah, and that's the thing they said. They were like, yeah, uh, basically with the outcome Magneto had and the hard life he's had, he, he can never see the outlook that we had. And hope and we hoping that I, I'm seeing the right way. Charles Xavier still has down his head that he's seeing the right way, but he said, I'm hoping I see the right way. But I guess only way to know is to tell in the future. And they fly back to Earth and that's it. Last issue Chris Claremont ever wrote. That pretty much that uh, conversation between him and Charles sums, sums up 17 years of his storyline, and, and that's it. You know, mm -hmm. so that is the end of an era of X Men that we know. Then they go into some other weird shit like Omega Red, and I'm, I'm not talking about this shit. Do you want to talk about yeah. this shit? Omega Red, yeah. Omega Red shows up. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let me talk, then, let's talk about it. And, and then they launch into like a, what you think is going to be a really cool Wolverine story. And not really. That's the thing. Okay. <laughs> That's the, and, <laughs> this is the let's moment. Get, this is the let's moment. Get this, 
yeah, let's get let's get rid. Of, let's talk about this first before we get into Omega Red. Okay. Um. Yeah. Um. That ending is what made the made this arc for me. Right. Like that's that's what I found most interesting. Now, reading this again, mm-hmm. right away, just getting through issue one, I was like, holy shit. Now I remember why I could never get into this. Okay. Because it's <laughs> Okay, it's because so you just com- see like okay, a yeah. wall of ticks up there. Yes. Well, it's just so because even back then, like I said, I was never a big X-Men fan and here like, okay, they're renumbering a number one, it's a relaunch. Okay, I'm going to get into X-Men. I'll give X-Men a chance this time. And this is be you know, I'm going to you know, uh, you know, give a conscious conscious effort into into you know, get, to give X-Men a chance. Mm-hmm. And this is, like I said, I was in high school. I was like senior year and my, my, my kid brother was reading this shit. So I tried it again and I was like, holy fuck, it's still the same old soap opera convoluted storylines. It's like so much shit going on that I was just like, okay, I had, I still don't know what, it's a, I just want to see Wolverine and like this, like 20 other story arcs going on. And I'm like, <laughs> right. this, this is a number one, you know? Right. So, at the time, back then, I was like, like I said, I was exhausted. As it now, all these years later, I think, yeah, it, it comes out. It's basically a Magneto story. Right. And he, to me, he's always been the most interesting character out of the X-Men universe. You know? Mm-hmm. So that's what the focus is of this story. And, and that's what I responded to this time around reading it. It's like, oh, yeah, this is... This is the Magneto story. This is basically him trying to trying to redeem himself. Right. He's trying to, you know, he's trying. He left. He left. He's like, did he? He pulled a Doctor Manhattan. I like fuck this Earth. I'm go- taking off. Right. I'm gonna go live in space. You know. <laughs> and and he's still trying. He's like, I don't want to be. I don't want to have anything to do with humans. But they keep fucking with me. You know. And right. they bring the war to his doorstep. And he responds as such. And even though he has the power to like lay them all to waste, he still has the light inside him. Like when he sees the, the dead bodies in the submarine and he realized what he's done, you right. know, and then when he lets the X-Men live at the end. And yes, that conversation that him and, you know, Charles have at the end is so great. It just makes him still for me, he's still like one of the coolest characters. I don't agree with them a lot, but I find him interesting. Right. You know, more I mean, so than Wolverine and all that. And, you know. I mean, because he, I, fought, I, he fought the X-Men like three times, maybe four times in his whole arc. Beat them every single time, like effortless, effortlessly. Yeah. And basically he was trying to show you that I could have killed you, but because I'm not the guy that you think I am, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. You know, the conversation he has with Rogue out in space when the nuke goes off. You know, which she's making him realize like, and then they actually join him. I mean, they actually join him at one point. Like, you know, you're right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so that was all interesting. So reading, cause I remember, I remember like reading it, like back then, you know, grabbing the book, opening it up and right away, Magneto's in space. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. No context like right away, is just there, you know? Like, what the fuck? You know, no one, like I said, I stopped reading superhero comics. I stopped reading Marvel almost altogether. I mean, I think I was still reading Ghost Rider at the time. 
Right. But, you know, I wasn't following really any Marvel comics. So, right, you know, when I pick up the, the, this first X-Men book and Magneto's in space, I just like, ugh. Okay, see, that's where like, you were Ugh. like, oh, Magneto's in space. See, I was like, oh, shit, Magneto's in space. He's like, the exact opposite <laughs> for me, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so, I like like I said, I I just wasn't into it. But now all these years later, going back and rereading it, it's still very convoluted. There's still a thousand storylines going on. I can't stand Gambit. He is literally annoying. Like not yeah. just me. He annoys the the chicks around him. Right. <laughs> like everybody's annoyed with, with right. you know, oh, more shady. You know, he's fucking Pepe Le Pew. You, you know, know what? Gambit is like a perfect example of the changing of the guard. Now, like we, we talked about, uh, Chris Claremont and his last issue. Now, I actually watched a, a a documentary on Chris Claremont. Here's the thing: Chris Claremont was fired from this book. Oh, really? Yeah, he was fired from this book. That's the thing. He didn't leave on his own volition. Here's the thing: uh, Chris Claremont had wrote 17 years of X Men. He never wanted Magneto to be a bad guy. In his run up until this book here, Magneto was slowly coming from a bad guy to joining the X-Men, to training the mutants, and the way he wanted to end the, the X-Men story was Charles Xavier is going to die, and Magneto is going to take his place and become the head of the X-Men. That's what he wanted to do. He wanted to have a complete redemption arc with Magneto. However, when that cartoon hit, and those numbers came, Marvel said, I want you to make Mag give me a, a big, grand X-Men book, and make Magneto a bad guy. He's like, make me no bad I just wrote 17 years <laughs> of trying to redeem Magneto. I don't give a fuck. Fuck all that. Make him a bad guy. I'm like, fuck. So he wrote the story and he fired him. <laughs> yeah. Because, and, and another thing, because like I said, he had this big wall of text thing like that. And see, this is one of the downfalls of the 90s. Chris Claremont is a great writer. Jim Lee is a great artist. But in yeah. the 90s, they felt like the art was selling the book and the writers yeah. was just getting in the way. They like, as long as we got... Jim Lee or Tom McFarlane or, you know, Rob Liefeld drawing the books. It doesn't matter who's writing these books. They're going to sell no matter what. And to a point, they were kind of right at the time, you know, because yeah. here's the thing. Okay. Woo! this, but, Yeah. I was saying this was clear. Clear Claremont story. We broke the story down, had a lot of subtext into it, you know, had a lot of meaning to it. However, those next four issues in this mutant Gen Genesis book, I, I know you didn't read all of it, Eli, but you know where it's going. Yes, and, and I can totally tell the, the you know because Jim Lee, Jim Lee did wrote the, the plot. Story. It said, yeah. "Yeah, you can totally tell." And that's like when you read like the old issues of Spawn and even some of Todd McFarlane's run. Mm -hmm. How bad of a writer they are! Right, that's, that, that's the thing. That story was all old. like like this three arc. Even I, I, I liked it, but the next four issues of it was all over the fucking place. Like, people just popping up yeah. out of nowhere. You really don't know what's going on. Is Wolverine, like, fighting people, or is he knocked unconscious? Where did he get this thing? Like, it, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You know? Let's and, flashback 24 hours ago. Like, why? He will have okay. a flashback, like, one panel, then go back to the regular story. Like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah. And like, okay, and here's Mojo. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> right. Like, what the fuck's he got to do with that? Right. <laughs> like, I didn't want to see Dazzler. What the fuck? You know? I just wanted. I just want to see Omega Reg and, and Wolverine throw down. And... Right. He threw all this other weird <laughs> shit in there, and the story didn't make yeah. any sense. And it's exactly like everything you said. It's like everything that you always said was bad about the X Men, Eli. It was right there in those four issues. 
Like yeah. everything Eli said about it. Like it's a soap opera. It just drags his feet. It's got it's overly romantic, like some kind of uh like some CW show, like when Gambit's playing basketball just to get a date with Rose. Oh yeah, there's like five pages of them playing basketball. Right. You know? but that's that's an old X-Men trope. They always play sports. They always say, Don't use your powers. Somebody use the powers. And for and- five or five fucking pages, you know. Yes, it's yes. Like, like I said, every, so everything you said about X Men is right, Eli. I'm saying you're right. Just so we could see Rogue in a swimsuit and you oh, know, Bessie Jubilee and oh, gym shorts, shit. Psylocke, <laughs> when they in a meeting, they call a Cyclops call everybody to the meeting. Psylocke, oh, I was taking a pool. I was taking a uh, swim in the pool. So she's in a bikini the whole time. Yeah. So all she does that when they go on a mission is put on a jacket yeah. with her bikini. <laughs> and they fly off and she's still in the bikini like calling out orders and shit like that like tell me what the fuck are you doing <laughs> this is yeah. shit they were selling to us she's going on a mission in a bikini <laughs> oh man everything she you said every- Eli it's, it came she it came. kicks everybody she's always spread eagle and it's always a fr- full frontal shot of her coming at us like right. which you know <laughs> you can see tits compl- and ass at the same time like how does that I'm work I'm not complaining. Those are my favorite panels. But right. Still. <laughs> like he zooms in on Rogue and shit like that when she's talking. Like... Yeah. Oh, man. But that's the thing. It was like a dichotomy between it because you got this. But here's the thing. Jim Lee's writing fit his art style better than what Chris Claremont was doing. Because Chris Claremont was trying to tell this real intricate story of political intrigue, you know, redemption story. But with Jim Lee's art, it kind of clashed. Yeah, because Jim Lee, yeah, is awesome. I mean, I, the art is. I mean, Jim Lee is just awesome. But, so but, yes, but does it fit? That's the thing. Does it fit the story Chris Claremont was trying to tell? Yeah, that's that's where it gets a little convoluted because you can tell Jim Lee is just cramming even his art with yeah. his art being as good as it is. It's just so much shit. Like it's a good thing I read this on on digital where because I, I I do the guided view. You so can it zoom was in on the panels and stuff. Yeah, zoom in on. Which order? Because I was like, if it didn't do that, I'd be lost on which fucking panel to read first. And all. <laughs> you know what I mean? Especially when you do the big double splash page and it's just a thousand panels of, you know, and then little and little thought bubbles and conversation like, OK, where am I reading? Right. What do I how? What order does this conversation go in, or I'm going to get lost? And that's the thing, like they're having action scene, action panels, and just word bubbles, just walls of text bubbles. How are you talking that much in an action scene? And thinking at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're nearly. I yeah, yes, with all my, with all the fury and power of his fists, and they're like, I get it, dude. He's punching. Right, we can see him (laughs) punching. (laughs) You don't have to explain how badass this his fists are right <laughs> and that's the thing like i feel like chris, chris claremont and jim lee were clashing together I, I don't i don't know how i feel i don't know if uh now jim lee shouldn't write this book i know that he's a terrible writer we could tell that with the four issues he was writing but uh i guess uh he didn't fit with chris claremont because chris, chris claremont was throwing in all these different subplots and storylines and they had their own thing going on he needed a more a artist with a more realistic take on these characters. But I guess in the 90s, they didn't really work. Everybody in the 90s pretty much had the same style. It's not like it. And that's one thing that's different with comics now that people do have their style. You have people doing superhero-y shit like this. But then you have like real, you know, artists that draw like more realistic tones and things like that. You know, like Ivan Rice. And th- not Ivan Rice. He, what's that other guy? The guy that did Ultimates. I can't remember his name. But anyway, they have guys that do more realistic uh 
artwork and with the story, type of storytelling that would tell this type of story that needs to sell. But if we had that, would it sell like it did? We're we're, we're Monday morning quarterbacking on yeah. the best selling comic of all time. Yeah, and so, I don't, and to tell you the truth, I don't know that my like I said, my brother loved this shit. I don't know that he picked up on it, but, but he liked collecting it. Like I remember because he had the number one, and like and I remember taking him to the comic shop mm-hmm. and like, dude, you know, here's all the back issues, and his his face just lit up like holy shit, and he had like. It was like one through seven or eight at the time. And I'm like, I, I can fill in the gaps of the, the ones that he's missing. He just like lit up like, oh, my God, I didn't know these existed. And, you know, so right. he got he was able, you know, because there were so many of them at the time. So, you know, so many different variants and stuff like that. He was able to complete his collection. But I don't know that he understood all of what was going on, you know, at the time. Because he's a little kid. Right. And, and it's he, like he the just art responded to sold, the art. The art you know? sold the book. You know, yeah. I'll be honest with you, Eli. When I read this book, it's a lot of subtext that I didn't get when I wrote when I read this book earlier. I do remember Jim Lee's artwork was awesome. I do remember that. I was like, yeah. "Ooh, look at these panels!" Ooh, look. Like when when uh, Archangel was throwing Colossus through the, the the ceiling, I just looked at that panel. I was like, "That is a gorgeous panel." You know, regardless yeah. of what's happening, you know, yeah. and, and there was so what, many you know issue yeah. uh, panels like that. Yeah, and that's what pushes the issue. That's what keeps the page turning. Is the art. Right. And yeah, and even back then, I, you know, I, I can't remember exactly what was going on at the time. And I probably wasn't paying attention as much, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, it was, the art was, was cool. You know, the art was really cool. I mean, then we had wizard. I mean, it, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so yeah, I looking back on this. Like it's been so many years since I read this, but looking back on it now, I can tell why it was such a big deal. And even with that first story and how the yeah, the first three issues are very well written, but as I was reading the next story, it's not well written, but it still looks awesome. Right. <laughs> and that's the <laughs> like thing. It still looks great, you know? And just the covers, you know, just you know. I can see, yeah, why people were just, yep, got to have it, got to have it, and why there was a thousand, the yet X Force and X Caliber. And just and new characters all, just like, kept popping know, up all over yeah, every place. You like. know, Cable and Deadpool eventually came out. And, and even you know, when I old characters tell. do show up, Jim Lee redesigns them. So Sabretooth shows up. Oh, I don't think you made it yeah. that far, have you? Uh, I was on, no, he hasn't, no. I you read ha- you haven't made five. that part, okay, you probably won't. But anyway, Sabretooth shows up, <laughs> has a new design, he's wearing like a three-piece suit and has a girlfriend. Okay, remember Marvel vs. Capcom? When, yeah. You ever played with Sabretooth on there? There was, there was a girl that was with him, you know, on his wind scenes. She was she okay. was there in the book, that's her first appearance. Yeah, probably her only appearance, yeah. but whatever, you know. Uh, so he's just wearing like his three piece suits like that. Okay, he made Sabretooth like super cool. So that's the thing. He was always redesigning oh, yeah, these yeah, characters. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, yeah the, the one with the cover with Psylocke and Sabretooth and right. Along came Sabretooth. Yeah, it, yeah. Psylocke get brainwashed. Whatever, fuck it doesn't matter. But that's the thing. <laughs> the artwork was awesome. Jim Lee do his redesigns like that because that's the thing. Like the the designs that we're looking at on the X-Men in this banner right here, that's the design that people think about when they see it. That's what designs that came from the cartoon, and they took it directly from Jim Lee's art. And it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Even, like, if he was redesigning Magneto, it's just, like, some simple stuff, but the way he did it, it's iconic. And there was oh. all those variant covers. It was, like, 
how many different covers for that one that number one? Yeah, eh, what do you know? mean? Like four or five? Like, yeah, but they, it made this better though. It, it made it better because each each, each uh each cover was like each part of it was a cover. Like it made a whole yeah, cover, so you had to get the whole like, thing to get the whole cover. Yeah, because you, you got like, like Cyclops and Wolverine. That's when everybody wanted. Uh, Cyclops and them, and then you got the lame team. <laughs> You know, <laughs> you got, there was that one which is Magneto on the cover, right? Then you got you Magneto, know? so you had to get all the covers to get the you know cover. So yeah, it was, and that's another reason why it probably you know what. Poster. So this book taught uh, basically taught the comic industry all the wrong lessons. Make a number one, make a shitload of covers, and there you go, and sit back and collect money. And it worked for a time, and then it didn't work anymore. So I don't know. No. I don't know. I, anything else we got to talk about X-Men? I think we, like I said, I'm not going to talk about those other issues because they really suck. You can finish Eli, but it really sucked. It is a big drop off on the first three issues. I was going to, I was going to finish them. It's just like, okay, it's getting late and we have, and I'm not done yet. And if I, I it's going to take me at least an hour to get to finish this shit. Yeah. So that's why I said, Hey, aren't we just doing the first three anyways? <laughs> right. That's the thing. Cause I, like I said, it's the first seven issues. Now like the first three issues really all I really need to talk about because there's no substance to those next four issues just people just popping up weird ass stories weird shit happening all over the place it doesn't have a, a like a rhythm or flow to it it's just it's just Jim Lee's artwork that's all yeah yeah you can just draw shit so there's really no reason to review it uh, X-Men uh, villains pop up that never show up again the upstarts oh they're iconic classic villains like that you know so <laughs> I don't know other than that shoot can we wrap it up Let's wrap it. Yeah, we weren't going to do like a two-hour thing or anything like that. We're just going to get in, get out. Uh, next week, we'll do something else. Like I said, we're, we're, we're working out the kinks. We're, working out, we're figuring this thing out. But uh, we'll see where we go from I, there. Hey, if, if you want to do that other X book you were talking about, about the gods or whatever. God love I'll me, Kill. I don't want to do. I want to do two X-Men books back to back. I do want to get the God Loves Man Kill eventually, but I want to do something else. Because... All right. I'm like, I'm gonna switch it that up. actually sounds like when you were explaining that, I was like, "Damn, that sounds interesting." Yeah, and that's the thing, like I'm, that 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 book has some meat to it. It's not like that Jim Lee bullshit. Especially because I'm reading, I'm reading this Omega Red shit, and I'm like, "That actually sounds cool." Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. So we could have did God Love Me, and we're gonna, we probably will. We'll see how this pandemic lasts, anything like that. We get to run to it, but I wanna, I wanna spread the love out and do some other books also. You know, I don't All know right. what we're gonna do next week, but uh. We'll figure it out and let you know. Uh, if you listen this long, definitely like, share, subscribe. We have our other podcast. We have Comic Cast. I have no idea what the fuck they're doing. Eli, you listen to them. What do they do? Uh, I didn't listen to them yet, but uh, they were doing Ghost Fleet, I know. They're, it's an old Donny Cates book and Daniel Warren Johnson book, which is actually cool. Okay. I actually wanted to listen to see what they had to say about it, but I didn't get a chance to. Okay. But uh, yeah, that's what they did today, I know. Okay, cool. Uh, we also have Get Valiant. We have This Geeks and Comics. Uh, we also have uh, Hulu TV. We also have Instruments of Destruction. Whole bunch of shit. Whole bunch of shit. Just check it out. We, uh, what's that wrestling podcast? I think it's Council of Wrestling. Yeah, we got that one too. Um, next week we'll come with some more shit. We're probably we're gonna we're gonna do another retro book, but we don't know what retro book we're gonna do yet. We're gonna take a poll between ourselves, not with you guys. We don't give a shit what you think. We're gonna review. What we want to review. <laughs> Uh, until then this is Leroy this is Eli we'll talk to you guys next week same bullet time same bullet channel mm-hmm.